Texas talking. Oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking. Ah, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking. Tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Texas guys Hello, this is Sylvia Garcia, state senator from Houston. Last week, the Pope reminded us that we should be about building bridges and not walls. Hillary will not build walls. Hillary will build bridges. Now for a host who can't build a damn thing. Thank you. This is Ross Ramsey here with the TribCast for the last week of February. I'm joined by editor and CEO Evan Smith. You're a liar. <laughs> well, there's a start. Well, uh, isn't Report. everybody a liar? The, that, isn't that like the thing you say these liar, days? Liar number two. You're a liar. Alexa Ura, reporter for the Texas Tribune. Hello. And we're joined by one of our pollsters, Jim Henson, from the University of Texas, Texas Politics Project, and the University of Texas, Texas Tribune poll. What a title you got. So pleased to be here. I have a joke to tell. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> only if the only if the punchline is, you're a liar, and you tell not. that joke. Well, we're taping this just a few minutes after we found out that the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals has tossed the indictments against Rick Perry. What's it, a year and a half? Uh, I don't even, I think it's more than a year and a half. It's, hap, um, it's happy Ray Donovan Day for Rick Perry. Ray Donovan was the labor secretary in the Reagan administration who famously said after... I assume it was an indictment. After, after an investigation vaporized. Right, went away, and so he was suddenly acquitted. But, you know, as with all these things, they convict you on page A1 and they acquit you on page C23, right? Right. Ray Donovan said famously, where do I go to get my reputation back? Or well, some such. I think, Rick and I think from case, Rick Perry's case, that's kind of the same thing, right? Well, he blamed this in some measure for his uh, failures in the latest presidential race. He said, you know, they— um, they actually, he was indicted before he officially declared his candidacy. He got in and he and his lawyers were thinking, you know, this is going to be short work and we'll get rid of these indictments and we won't have to answer for that. And we can get about the business of, um, I guess, eventually losing to Donald Trump. <laughs> I could have been a contender. Is that what yeah. you Well, I mean, he did. He said, he said, you know, I think we had a chance here this year. I think it got taken away because of the indictments dominated the news, and they particularly, his uh, aides said, became a solid reason for financiers who might otherwise support Perry to say, no, not with those indictments. I, I, think, the, I think the second part of that, whether the first part of it I agree with or not, I think the second part of it I do agree with generally, which is that there were people who were hesitant to support Perry financially in part because they said, well, he's indicted, and where's this going to go? And I don't know. That I, uh. gave his people said, no. his yeah. people said from the very beginning that they worried more than anything at the beginning about whether the indictments would trail him around like toilet paper on his shoe from a finance primary I standpoint. I, I think that also presuppo <laughs> that presupposes, though, that there weren't financiers already, you know, finan uh, financial interests already looking for a reason to not have to pony up given his experience yeah, that in the be. previous cycle. I think some number that of them were, were, were hung up on oops and all of that. We should say, I guess, what the indictments were about. Perry vetoed funding for the Travis County District Attorney's Office. Um, the District Attorney, Rosemary Lemberg, was arrested in a really ugly set of videos and everything for drunk driving. She pled guilty. She did some jail time, but she didn't resign her office. Perry said, I'm vetoing the money for your office unless you resign. She did not. He did, and then some special prosecutors in a grand jury said, we think that's using your office to coerce a public official to do something they wouldn't otherwise do, and that's illegal. The court says, no, it's not. So is this it now? It was the Court of Criminal Appeals that threw the 
This is the high court on the criminal side. So there's no possible. Uh, there's a, there's a, you know, you can ask them for a, a rehearing, but you know, chances are pretty low here. And I think everybody on the court wanted a byline. And there's so many opinions and dissents and concurring opinions and occurring, concurring and dissenting in part. Everybody wrote. So Perry wins. Perry wins in the end. So um, that's one piece of news. The other piece of news is that uh, Greg Abbott finally endorsed his former Solicitor General. What about this? I guess he could have waited longer. There, <laughs> could have waited are, to There Monday. are three more days left. Well, you know what's interesting? Voting. I mean, this is so. I'm I'm now going to play the role of Matt Hirsch. I'm going to be Abbott's press secretary. So you be you, Ross, and I'll be Matt Hirsch. <laughs> you ask me as Matt Hirsch, why did you wait to endorse so long? Yeah. So what's up with that? Um, <laughs> That's exactly how Nick, I would ask. That. Nikki Haley waited longer to endorse before South Carolina, and last I checked, Brian Sandoval didn't endorse at all in Nevada. So. I don't think that's up a yours, very good buddy. Matt Hirsch. But, but, but Cruz didn't work for any of those people. No, I also I mean, don't this... see him saying up yours. <laughs> oh, believe me, this is the Texas he Tribune. Might. Matt Hirsch has said up yours plenty. Oh, right. <laughs> right. He might be doing hand talking you couldn't see while you're talking to him on the phone. Yeah. Uh, He's, he said up yours plenty. I, you know, but this is a different relationship. You know, Cruz came out of Abbott's shop. He was the solicitor general when Abbott was attorney general. Right. Um, you know, these are the two top... Republicans in, you know, at least in the public mind, I think. We'll ask our pollster in a minute here in, in Texas Republican politics. You kind of expect, you know, the people who know him best to come out early and hard for him. And, and you know, Abbott hadn't been there. Here and, he is and, late. And, and, and who was he going to endorse if not Cruz? Yeah, I, I actually think it made sense for them to wait. Um, you get closer, you you get a media hit. I mean, it turns out that the Court of Appeals kind of stepped on this for him, as it turns out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get a media hit close to the you know the right. weekend before the election. You know, since there's really – it's not like everyone else was knocking on his door thinking that somehow Abbott was going to endorse someone else does, with any seriousness. Arguably, when the field was bigger and Abbott had relationships with other people in the field, mm-hmm. Abbott could have made the argument – I might not have – that Abbott needed to be respectful of the process right. and wait and see. Right. I got four and a half Texans yeah. in this race. Yeah. Well, and you also have a debate tomorrow, and you've got the national press coming into town, and there's a rally scheduled for this afternoon, I believe, with both of them in attendance. So does Abbott's Abbott's in the spin room tomorrow night, you think? Abbott's in the spin room for Cruz, probably. Does Abbott's endorsement have enough weight to overshadow the third-place finish in Nevada? I mean, Cruz comes into Texas riding two third-place finishes. Re-ask the question this way. Is there anybody who was not (laughs) already committed? (laughs) Re-ask it as Matt Hirsch again. Is there anybody who was not committed to vote for Cruz already, who was on the fence, who by virtue of Abbott's endorsement is now going to go, now I'm going to vote for him? Is he going to move the needle? Yeah, and how would you measure that? Yeah, possibly. I mean, you know, possibly. I, I, I think something like this, you keep in your pocket when you're having some bad news cycles to get another at least an attempt to change the discussion. So in some ways, again, having something like this at a point when you're coming out of a couple of third place finishes. Hold back that one right, Pokemon. Right, right. And, but you know, you know what, Cruz, but Cruz thought he would not be coming out of bad news cycles. No, he thought, thought he thought he would his firewall better was in South, South Carolina. Carolina and better in Nevada. He probably thought that Abbott was going to be, you know, riding in the front right. car of the momentum train mm-hmm. as opposed to let's turn the conversation away from how I did poorly in Nevada uh, to never mind that, here's Abbott. Quick, Governor, I need a diversion. The, you know, by the way, this is the first sitting United States senator or governor to endorse Cruz. The first. Wow. He has no yeah. none of his colleagues in the Senate. He has one former senator, Bob Smith from New Hampshire. He has one former governor, Rick Perry. 
He has no current senators. He has no current governors. And it's Rubio, not Cruz, who this week has been collecting all the uh, either uncommitted or the Bush committed who are now suddenly liberated to endorse somebody else people. Cruz would say that's a strength. Cruz would say does, this proves I'm an outsider. That's does, his brand. does Trump have any of those official endorsements? Does he have any endorsements like uh, that? Well, he had Henry McMaster, the lieutenant governor of South Carolina. Right. Uh, he, I don't know that he's had Jobs any. Jobs or senators? I don't think he has. No. This is not that kind of year. Right. Well, and if you're a lieutenant governor, the way that Trump kind of gave him a, a backhanded thanks on, from the stage on South Carolina. He said, yeah, see, you know, you're great and your governor sucks. Nobody's really... <laughs> he, he, he pretty much, he pretty much <laughs> it. And, and the other thing we should say about endorsements as it relates like, to the gee, Tuesday thanks. primary is <laughs> right. Dallas, nice endo- Dallas endorsed Kasich, the newspapers. Kasich. Kasich, Kasich. Rhymes with basic. Say it again. Kasich. Dallas endorsed Kasich. Dallas endorsed Kasich. Houston endorsed Bush. San Antonio endorsed Bush. Beaumont endorsed Rubio. Corpus endorsed Kasich. Only one person. No, in no Texas paper has this. endorsed. No papers endorsed Cruz. Evan Smith, right? But this is my. But I'm making a point though here, which is that the newspaper endorsements matter in essence as much as political endorsements matter these days. Haley and Scott and Gowdy endorsing Rubio didn't win Rubio, South Carolina. It's the it's, right. And 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 Abbott endorsing Cruz. If Cruz wins Texas, it will not be because of Abbott. Endorsements matter when they're unexpected and when they're oh, that's surprising. Oh, maybe I should reconsider. You know, when you know, um, if Abbott had endorsed Trump, that'd be news. Well, if Abbott had not stage, endorsed Cruz, would have been news. Right. Anybody. Right. And at the stage that this is coming at, it becomes less about actually pushing voters to go out. How many voters were not already voting for Cruz? It doesn't really sway that many people now that Abbott's endorsing him. And early voting is how many days underway? Uh, we're almost done with it. We're, right. right. It, it began on the 16th, or if you're a pundit on MSNBC or CNN last night, January. So while we're talking about moving the needle, let's talk about where the needle is. Um, right. We started the rolling out the University of Texas Texas Tribune poll this week. Yeah, so we on the Republican side, we found among our in our likely voter screen, we found Cruz leading by 8, 37-29. Right. And with Rubio in third in the teens. 15, right. And, you know, a bunch of single-digit people behind them, at least one of whom, you know, uh, parenthetically, you know, Jeb Bush, you know, everyone, because we replicate the ballot, everyone's on the on the questionnaire, you know, still in single figures validating his decision to get out retrospectively. <laughs> and then on the Democratic side, probably more interestingly, maybe more controversially, among likely voters, we had Clinton leading Bernie Sanders by 10 points. Why is that controversial? 55-45. 54-44. Or, right. or 54-44. Right. Yeah. Why is that controversial? Well, because a lot, of, a lot of polls have had that race in the 20s or something. I think our, our overall sample, it was 17 you know, our sense of that is that it points to two interesting things. Well, one interesting thing is one technical thing. Right. The interesting thing is that it points to just how volatile the Democratic side is. We ran a bunch of different screens. Uh, it didn't change the Republican numbers very much at all, but it really moved the Democratic numbers around a lot because Latino turnout is so un- uncertain. So, so the so the screen that knocked out some Hispanics was, have you voted in the last two elections? Right. And uh, no, well, have you voted or and how interested are you was right. our screen. So, you know, when you knock out Latinos that way, it, it becomes a tighter race because 
the support among ethnic minorities, including especially African Americans, but including Latinos, is lopsided for Clinton. So she she was up sixty to thirty-seven among Hispanics. So the the thinking here is if Hispanic yeah. turnout goes mm-hmm. up, her numbers go the, up. The percentage right. of Latinos modeled in the screen that ultimately drove our results, mm. 54-44, that percentage was of about, the overall was, about, was equivalent to what it had been in the last two elections? It was a little bit less. It was about 29. Are we talking and, presidential or? Yeah, presidential. So, you know, the thing is we don't know what the last one was because there was no exit polling. Right. Uh, in 2008, it was 32. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, Ross and I were talking about this. You can argue that a couple ways. So. Everything stays stable. White people continue to defect. Maybe that number even gets a little higher. Latino turnout continues to be not so great. Maybe it's a little lower. And if you get more younger and white voters interested in Sanders in the pool, right. so this then could, the composition right. moves. The so, 10 percent uh, difference could either be too high or too low, depending upon how you tweak, yeah, I mean, the, tweak the composition of the population. Yeah, well, absolutely. And the thing is, when you run the screen, you're not you're gaming it if you're tweaking the population. Right. Right. So, right. So, so let me so let me um, let me let me ask you a couple of questions as it relates to this. So the Sanders okay. campaign, as they go into Super Tuesday, they claim now we haven't written off South Carolina. But in fact, Sanders himself at, at the end of the Nevada caucuses said now it's on to Super Tuesday, right. essentially skipping over a state that he probably knows in his heart because of the composition of population there. He's not going to do well. In. Wait. So South Carolina doesn't like an old white Jewish Socialist from the Northeast? We don't think they will. I'm, I'm, I'm just. I'm going to go with no. I'm, I'm going to go with no. Um, so he gets into Super Tuesday. There were 12 states. There were two states in which Sanders is expected to do well: Massachusetts and Vermont. And and some polling had him close in Oklahoma. Another state favorable to my grandfather, <laughs> i.e., well. old white Jews from Brooklyn. You know, right? So, uh, but but so um, Texas, though, you could argue that the liberal wing of the Democratic Party, which is most apt to turn out, might actually be favorable to somebody like Sanders. But the Clinton history in Texas is a thing, right? So she, well, this is not just any state for her, right? You know, I, I, I think we've argued about this in this in this very in this very trib cast. Um, on one hand, yes. You know, you look, you look at the numbers. She's doing very, in the absence of Barack Obama, doing very strong among, you know, Democratic, uh, African-American Democrats. She beat Democrats. Obama here, right? Last, well, last she beat time. Obama in the vote very narrowly. Right, and lost in and the caucuses. And lost in the caucuses. Right, but, right. you know, that was a very, I mean, she didn't beat him by a lot in the popular vote, as you remember, going right. back. And so, you know, I've always thought that, frankly, the the Clinton advantage here is real but exaggerated. I don't think there are a bunch of people running around going, hey, you know what? Hillary Clinton's pals with Gary Morrow, and she and Bill were here in 1972 campaigning for George McGovern. How, you know, right. we, we we are undyingly allegiant to them. I just nobody, don't Nobody outside of bars in Austin knows that. Well, so, and how does, like, a second-time Hispanic voter on the border even connect to that? They have no idea right. now, now, that's the, even a connection. I think that's right. Now, the flip side of that is that about— a third, I think, going back, you know, had really no of our uh, Democratic respondents had no opinion of Sanders. So right. Sanders was not has not made much of an impression in Texas. And Nobody not, had no opinion. And, of a, and, especially, and right. especially uh among Hispanics. And if you're Sanders, are you going to spend a lot of time here in the next couple of days? One of the things that occurs to me is the San- South Carolina and Nevada 
end, feeding into Super Tuesday, leaves an enormously small window of time well, for well, people to well, be and campaigning also in these states. you got to make strategic decisions. And there's well, a delegate thing. Here. Right. I'd say right. Ross's right. you know, great explainer piece on how the delegate thing works. You know, there's really not of an incentive, a lot of incentive for Sanders to campaign here if he's over a minimum threshold that he probably is. There's almost zero chance. Right that Hillary Clinton will sweep the delegates in Texas. She has to have 85% of the vote, not only statewide, but yeah. in each of the 31 Absolutely right. no chance that's Texas Senate happen. districts. Not, so no, no chance. And one Bernie thing Sanders yeah. is going to get a proportionate share of delegates. And, you know, the difference between the delegates he gets if he doesn't campaign and the delegates he gets if he does campaign right. might be smaller than he can than the delegates he picks up in and, other and states. And from what I've seen in his SEC? public media buys, he's not bought a lot of media. And, right. and we should add one more thing to that number that was the technical thing that we didn't get to, which is that we were in the field between New Hampshire, after New Hampshire, but right before Nevada. So it turns out that we were in the field at probably the optimal time for Bernie Sanders in Texas. Right. The general media coverage was really very positive. Right. Uh, a lot of the narrative was, wow, maybe Clinton is going to fail. You know, who, all that stuff that you know happened a few weeks ago. I mean, I would compare this to going back to, was it? either June or, or fall of last year, during the Scott Walker media boomlet, we had Scott Walker running pretty well because right. we were in the field at the time. Well, one year ago, we had absolutely Scott Walker and perfect so for is, Scott Walker. So if this is peak Sanders and the best he can do is 10 points back from Hillary, it's probably right. not going to be better between now and Tuesday. Yeah, it's I hard mean, to I, see how she loses Texas. It's hard to see how she loses Texas. I mean, my, my kind of gut feeling on this gut, plus looking at these numbers, is you know, Hillary Clinton is probably not going to win in a two-person race by 20 points. High single, low double? Yeah. High, I think high single, I, no, low no, double. No, I, no, I think probably mid-double even. You think mid-double, higher yeah. than the margin we show now? Probably not. Probably in that range. 10 or 15? 10 to yeah, 15. 10 to 15. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if it got tighter just because these things have a tendency to be weird. It could conceivably be high single, but 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 she's going to win. We think the consensus is we think she's going to win, right? If she doesn't win, that's I'd, giant news. Right. And yeah. if Cruz doesn't win or— if Cruz runs really close here, that's giant. Okay, so too. this is the so let's move over to the Cruz thing. So if you and I and we we four and five had been sitting here six months ago and had said that less than a week out from Super Tuesday we would be entertaining the possibility, not the likelihood, but the possibility, the legitimate possibility that Cruz could lose Super Tuesday to Donald Trump, legitimately. I know we had a poll that showed them tied long ago. October, but if you jumped well, ahead, November. if you jumped ahead to now and you went, okay, honestly, I would have been shocked. He's up by eight, which is fine, and I still believe Cruz is going to win. But you know what? If Trump did win in Texas, it would not I, be the biggest shock of all time. I kind of think that's a tight eight. <laughs> I think that eight-point spread in our in our poll is, you know, may, I wouldn't be surprised if it narrows. Um, yeah, statistically it, it could. On the Republican side, we closed on the eve of South Carolina. Cruz has had two losses since then. South Carolina and Nevada. Yeah, the fire is spokesman. Finished, finished, finished I mean, third. He's, he's got this liar, liar thing chasing him. He's had a bad week. He's had a bad week. And he goes into Texas, you know, with, with a bad week going. Now, he is the favorite favorite son here. But Trump, as you guys have pointed out, is a national candidate. And everybody knows who he is. And, and the fact that he's only making one appearance in Texas between now and Tuesday is consistent with the way he's done the other states. You would I'm gonna, think that would be I'm going to do a little rally. I'm going to do a debate. I'm going to go back to wherever I'm going back to. Well, and it's also it's the electorate is also a little bit different. You're going to have we're expecting higher turnout, which means a few more low information voters who might not be as committed to Cruz as some of the diehard Tea Partiers who always turn out. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a really interesting story here about Texas and Donald Trump. Right. Which is. 
you know, for all that we've thought about Texas is distinctive and we're different and we have our own kind of thing going on here, you know, Texas is still part of the United States and part of the American political system. And the same You're such con- a rhino. The same confounding effect that Donald <laughs> that Donald Trump, I was going to make a horn joke, but I'm just not going to do don't. it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this, the, the sa- you know, the same issue that, you know, the, the, the same dynamic that we're seeing nationally, we're seeing here. I mean, it's really remarkable when you look at the internals of these numbers, right. you know, how similar it looks to everywhere else. He's he's taking from lots of several from several subgroups in the Republican electorate, not really dominating. He kind of does. Yeah, he does. OK, with evangelicals. Yeah. He does OK Even with some right. of the Bush voters who are now suddenly freed up are actually going to vote for Trump, according to the polls you see around the country. Stunner. Right. Did yeah, you see him that, saying, I knew that here. was going to happen? <laughs> yeah. right. How, how many go. Bush voters want their vote back, though? Wasn't I, a good know, idea I know. to I mean, vote you know, some, early for them. Bush, you know, one of the funny things about you know, the way ballots work is we're long past the date when you can pull your name off. So when you, why we had all those people on. Our, well, if you're voting. Yeah. If you're voting in a Republican primary, yeah, you're although, voting in a Republican primary, you're going to see Bush and Fiorina and Christie and Paul and all of those guys. Martin O'Malley's still over there languishing on the Democrat. Martin, ballot. Martin <laughs> O'Malley. Martin, Martin TBT. O'Malley, right? <laughs> Future trivia question. Martin yeah. O'Malley, right. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, to Alexa's point, though, I mean, I, I think a lot of those Bush voters you know, they, they could see the writing on the wall. I mean, we asked people how certain they were about their vote. They could see the candidate you know, on the 60% stage. 60% plus of the, of the front runners right. were extremely certain. <laughs> like 20% of the Bush voters said they were extremely certain. They, you know, except for, for well, your choices. Yes, I reluctantly no, rise to snort. vote. Right. Right. So there was one other thing uh, in the presidential stuff, a bunch of stuff in there, but there was one other thing in the presidential stuff that I'm fascinated by, and it's the number of people who think that all of these candidates would make rotten presidents. Yeah. Terrible. 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 Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, I I, I think that's true, although you have to – I think you have to break that down by – party by party ID to really look at what's interesting about that, what's most interesting. It's not just that there's a lot of people on a partisan basis, you know, in Texas – the, the Democrats are all going to look at the Republican candidates and go pretty much all right. those guys I think are awful and vice versa. But if you break this down, and I, you and I talked about this yesterday, Ross, I, what you see is that on the Democratic side, that dynamic toward Democratic candidates is not nearly as strong as it is on the Republican side where you've got candidates looking across this broader ideological spectrum right. and really hating some of their own candidates. Right. And it really gives you some numerical portrait of what we've seen, which is a Democratic race, which has had its you know sharp elbows, but has by and large been you know about relatively minor disagreements and people being on the same page. Versus a Republican race that has been vicious, as we started the podcast, with lots of people calling each other liars and no good, you know, SOBs. Sweaty. And sweaty. You and you know, And weak. Low and, energy. Yes, moist. You know. Anglo. Throw that no. one in for Ramshaw. <laughs> this could go in. This could go for a long time. Uh, but you should, the point is there. The, the Republican race has really been a zoo, and you see that in the attitudes of voters. And we don't know exactly what that's going to mean in the longer term. I have a question for everybody. Show of hands. A perfect podcast question since nobody can see the answer, but I'll report <laughs> I will report yeah. faithfully the answer. How many people on this podcast think if Ted Cruz loses Texas that his campaign for the presidency is over? Well, what do you I mean? Do. What do you mean by over? Like right. he, he gets out immediately? Like, or? is it possible that as we sit here on Wednesday of the week before Super Tuesday? After, yeah. Here's my point: is is it? Po- I'll ask it very specifically. Is how many people believe that as we sit here Wednesday before Super Tuesday that if he loses Texas next week, that one week from today, 
day after Super Tuesday, it is possible that Ted Cruz is out of the race at that point. Who says? Yeah, he loses Texas. He's done. Raise your hand. <laughs> Does he drop out immediately, though? Uh, you know, the, that, that throws me off a little bit. But, you know, the, yeah. if, he loses uh, Texas, he's, if he loses Texas, he's— What's he staying in to finish fourth in well, Florida? Let me put it this way. If, if he loses Texas and wins the nomination, that's a hat trick. I don't see how well, you do that. Somebody, ha- well, somebody else has either. to step on a banana <laughs> peel. Do the right? math. Yeah. I, I, guess, I will vote for sure for that. I guess, well, to, I mean, I guess to unpack this, to really unpack this right. if he lost Texas on Super Tuesday, what's the likelihood that he won any other state? And if he loses every state on Super Tuesday, right. then how can he be the nominee? By the way, I'm still waiting for the Rubio people to tell me what state he's going to win on Super Tuesday. And then further, if he wins no states yeah. on Super Tuesday, mm-hmm. how does he get the nomination having finished less than first in the first 16 contests? Well, I will agree with the emphatically obvious that if he loses Texas, he's in trouble. He cruised. <laughs> he cruised? Yes, he cruised. Yeah, and a lot of it's a obvious. perception thing. I mean, you're back, <laughs> to this, name. You're, back to this, you're back to this delegate thing. A lot of, you know, much of this is perception. The delegate thing... Between first and second, if they're close, they're going to get about the same number of delegates. So it's not really about delegates, but the perception would be horrible for him. You you can't even win yeah. with your own voters. Right. Well, I think that's the other thing about cruising, you know, about the the Trump factor here is right. that, you know, over and over again, we see how Donald Trump's presence has basically trashed everybody's strategy going forward. And we were talking earlier about well, you know, when the, you know, the Perry guys were thinking this back then, and the Cruz guys were thinking this back. You know, in a year ago, none of that means anything Why? now it's because the, of Donald Trump's it's, presence. It's the, the Mike Republican Tyson race. line. You know, your strategy only lasts until the first punch in the nose. Yeah. Right. So uh, there's a bunch of other elections here. Um, candidates all up and down the ballot. Alexa, they're spending Tell piles of money, money, aren't they? A ton of money. I wish they would all pay for my student loans and get it over with. <laughs> would it take all of them to <laughs> so make out so your student loans? You're voting for Bernie it Sanders. Might, so, might. That right. so that retroactively your college is free? We're going to start a dissident organization called Empower <laughs> right. Alexa. Right. That's what we'll do. Donate. We'll be taking donations starting tomorrow. Crowdsourcing her debt. That's great. There are, Thanks for playing. There is a, millions and millions of dollars being spent, particularly in Texas House races, up and down the ballot, starting with Joe Speaker Joe Strauss, who's facing two opponents. He has spent millions on his campaign and is still able to keep $8 million in the bank in each of these reporting periods. How do you spend millions on a house race? I mean, I, I sort of get it, but it's just you have to paper the planet. You've got to you know, fill well, everybody's mailbox, completely explode their there television are, set. There are quite a few billboards in San Antonio saying re-elect <laughs> Joe Strauss. You know, cause I've you, seen know, you, know, you know what he's doing? <laughs> he's making certain that he's not caught flat-footed. You know, I think that right. this is the best yeah. offense as a good defense. One of the strategies that uh, some of the opponents on both sides in the Republican Party were employing was, you know, put, you know, flood flood a primary with more than one candidate mm-hmm. and force the incumbent into a runoff because the runoff um, electorate is different from the right. primary electorate, especially with the presidential thing, drawing for the primary. And you might do better, particularly if you're on the very conservative end. In a runoff. So the strategy against people like Strauss is get him in a runoff and let's see what happens in May. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, some of his allies as well are are spending a lot of money fending off Tea Party challengers. Um, I think we had one, I think it was 
Charlie Guerin, who had spent almost half a million dollars in his race. Republican um, from Fort Worth. Republican from Fort Worth. You, you got lots of money going in. Um, but also, you know, on the Tea Party side, you have several Tea Party incumbents who are kind of seeing mixed results. I mean, some of them are being outraged and outspent by their opponents. Um, so it'll right. be interesting. Although, to s- although it doesn't mean that by virtue of spending correct less that you lose correct right but there are a bunch of incumbents on both sides of this you know republican divide in particular Mm -hmm. who are in trouble you know byron cook you know by all accounts is in trouble in corsicana jonathan stickland in bedford by most accounts is in trouble um they're molly white molly white and temple you know jason vialba has a tough race in dallas dan flynn and van john rainey in college station there are a bunch of there are a bunch of races where we don't know many most of those (laughs) Syria, so. right. I think most of the incumbents win, but not all the incumbents win. And, you know, it, for all of our talk, and I am as guilty of, of promoting the fiction that there are no competitive elections in Texas. It's true, but it's not accurate. There are no competitive general elections really in Texas, but mm-hmm. the primaries have gotten more, not less competitive. Well, and financially speaking, what, whichever way you slice it, the divisions within the Republican Party are good for political consultants and for advertisers because there is a lot of money being spent. Clearly. Um, so yeah. who's going to win, Ross? Who's going to win these races? I don't know who's going to win these races. You know, I think— you want, if, if we ask you a race, would you tell us who you think's going to win? I'll tell you what I'm hearing. Okay, Flynn. Flynn's in trouble. You think he could, Flynn, you, he, he you could think lose he, that race. You think he pulls it out? I, you know, I don't know. Rainey? In trouble. Garen? I think he's probably going to be okay. Rinaldi? Uh, I kind of think he's going to be okay, but, I, you know, um, but that's a tough race. Stickland? Tough race. I think, that's, I think he's in trouble. Molly White? I don't see how she wins that. You don't see how she wins that. That's that for oh, Ross. That's actually that's interesting. Boy, the mother superior let down her habit for for a moment. Uh, well, that uh, went south. Uh, <laughs> let down she her is. habit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've got my book title. Thanks. Uh, uh, Strauss. Strauss going to get into a runoff or not? I don't think so. But you know, you think he avoids if, a runoff? If he gets into a runoff, that's that's, that's big trouble. trouble. That's a that's a giant headline. That's significant news. Right, and it'll be a big piece of news until May because right. all of this right. money on the on the very conservative end of the the yeah. pool is going to pour into that race if it's a runoff. San Byron Cook TV bought the fruitcake? Uh, I think Byron Cook's in real trouble. Fruit he's been, in, won, he's been in trouble nothing. the whole time. He was yeah. on the early lists. He's on the late lists. Byron Cook survives. Everybody's going to take that apart and say, how did he do that? Deborah Lehrman? Nobody knows who those – this is interesting. In the judicial races, she's running for the for re-election to the Texas Supreme Court. Nobody knows anybody. I mean, this is Eva, Eva Guzman's problem. She's running against Joe Poole. Uh, there's clearly a difference in qualifications here, but nobody knows who they are. Are they going to vote for an Hispanic right. name, an anglicized name? All they, all most people know about Joe Poole is that's that guy named after that lake in right. Dallas. Perhaps you know me from my lake. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. P- Paul Green, the incumbent, faces Rick Green, the challenger. I'm supposed to vote for Green. I'm voting for Green. What am I doing? Massengale and Lehrman, which is a better ballot name? The people don't know anything else about them. What are they? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. If you're all other things being equal, it's supposed to be worth in a Republican primary, two to four points, being the female candidate. Really? Yep. Never heard that before. That's that's the folklore on the Republican side. Yeah. A lot folklore. of interesting information you haven't heard today. Seriously, okay, Pete Seeger. <laughs> so. Thank you for that. Um, who's going to win the presidential primary? Cruz or Trump? Cruz. Who's going to win the presidential primary, Professor? Uh, probably Cruz. I'm sticking with my pollsters. Alexa. Cruz. Evan. Cruz, but you know you what? You want Donald Trump no, to no, win. I, well, no, I don't want I don't want Donald Trump to win, except to the extent that 
oh my God, journalism. Right. Evans, and, Evans prediction: Colin Cruz. But. but I actually, but I actually think, I'm, but I'm, I'm surprised at how squishy I've become about the outcome of this, based on the uncertainty of everything that's come before. Taking another little vote, how many hands are surprised Evan became squishy? I'm pro squish. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, all listen. Admit this. This is, you know, the the the, the great Hollywood screenwriter William Goldman. You know, the, right? the famous yeah. who's who's you know. Thing William Goldman once said, nobody knows anything. Right. This has been the William Goldman election. I swear to God, nobody knows anything. We in the press, we in the polling community, we in the public community. All you geniuses. Don't know right. anything. And so, honestly, every instinct that I would have to say <laughs> everybody Cruz, was right. every instinct I would have to say Cruz, mm-hmm. I'm going, I don't trust myself anymore to have any sense of what the hell's going on here. Well, you know, use some data. It's helpful. The sixth Trivium oh, Festival. <laughs> Let me go old Matt Hirsch on you. To, okay? <laughs> up I yours. I thought that was Abbott. Trying to do a little seg here. The sixth Tribune Festival is coming up. Trib Fest is um, September 23rd, 23rd, 4th, and 5th. And I, I hope to have uh, President Trump at the uh, festival. <laughs> you can get uh, tickets it starting be both on huge and April tremendous. 20th. Huge. Um, uh, on our website, uh, like TexasTribune.org slash festival. Melania Trump actually at the festival so that at one point I can turn to her and say, say something, Melania. <laughs> Is that the daughter you or the wife? No, that's the wife. Did okay. you see him the other night? I say something, really. Melania. Yeah, I can't really. I'm going to get through this. I swear to God. Say something, Ross. questions something, or Ross. comments for Melania or Heavily anyone accented, else, please. email them to tribcast at tribune.org. Review us on iTunes, please. It makes our um, apps people happy. You can also sign up for Tribcast alerts at texastribune.org slash tribcast. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And remember that next Wednesday morning we have the live post-primary Tribcast. recording of the Tribcast at the Austin Club, right? It'll be a, it'll be a blast, maybe. Um, on behalf of Evan, it will be Alexa, Jim, and our producer Todd. This is Ross. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. I was like, eh. <laughs>